from calling out corrupt politics, citing the United States Constitution, books born in American history. You're the relentless patriots. Now, without further ado, here is the most relentless patriot of them all, relentless patriot Frank. Everyone again, Relentless Patriot Frank here. We just had a great, you know, live session with Relentless Patriot John. Um, just continuing from there, he had to take off and head to bed because he's working very hard at his job right now, and I completely respect that. Um, fortunately, I don't have any work right now, so let's be up and talk for a bit. For those of you that are going to be still uh, tuning in right now, feel free to come on and chat, and uh, we can talk about anything that you like in terms of patriotism anti-political correctness, anti-communism, and uh, socialism. So I'm going to continue to read real quick um, from this other article. Uh, this is a, you know, I hope you guys can, you know, understand where I'm coming from with this one. This is a very special one, okay? And this article is about how the Second Amendment meant no person in the U.S. could be a slave. And this is a, this is a great article because... It's the truth about guns. It's really the truth about the Second Amendment. And I completely agree with what this is uh, stating here. Okay? Now, this is all in congruence with, um, you know, what happened uh, back in the day with Frederick Douglass. Okay? So, this is what happened with Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass back in the day when the Confederate States surrendered at one of the forts. Okay? Now, Frederick Douglass was a great man. Um, he did agree with equality. He did agree with, you know, remember, he was in unison with Abraham Lincoln. Okay? Now, he said this, right? He declared this. Now, while the black man can be denied a vote, while the leg legislators of the South can take from him the right to keep and bear arms as they can, they would not allow a Negro to walk with a cane where I came from. They would not allow five of them to assemble together. The work of the abolitionists is not finished, notwithstanding the provision in the Constitution of the United States that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be abridged. The black man has never had the right either to keep or bear arms, and the legislators of the states will still have the power to forbid it under this, the 13th Amendment, and will they not do it? Have they not got the prejudice there to do it with? Frederick Douglass and what new skin with the will the old snake come forth from? This address was delivered in New York City, May 10th, 1865. Um, this is one of Frederick Douglass's papers, Series 1, Volume 4, pages 83 to 84. Okay, now, because he said that, this is what happened, right? And, and it, it's good, and at the same time, it's awfully familiar to what's going on, right? The next year... Congress recognized that disarming the freedmen was indeed part of the efforts of the southern state governments and terrorist organizations to keep the freedmen in de facto servitude. So in 1866, the Second Freedmen's Bureau bill ordered the Union Army in the South to protect the freedmen's full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of person and estate including the constitutional right to bear arms. The same year, the Civil Rights Act was passed, and the 14th Amendment was sent to the states 
for ratification. Okay, and this again, this is important stuff. All were enacted with supporters express, expressly stated purpose of protecting the Second Amendment and self-defense rights of the freedmen. So, this just goes to show you guys that Congress even had said that firearms are for everybody. And that it doesn't matter what race you are. What matters is that no person could be a slave with the Second Amendment. And it just also goes to show you that the Democratic-run southern states were the ones to enforce these anti-gun laws, especially when it came to black people. So we, we have to re, you know, remember to be grateful, okay, to be grateful for what the Republicans did and what Fred, you know, Frederick Douglass said and what Abraham Lincoln had also said, right? These are all important things. And um, we got to remember why our Second Amendment's important and what it really means. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Right? We're talking about, if you take a look at all the protests and loots and riots going on, you know, um, that's important. The right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And the right to bear arms is for everyone. Okay, and, and according to this article, remember, the southern states did not allow black people to own firearms. Plain and simple. Frederick Douglass even said it himself. Right? This is important. Black people were not allowed to own firearms, you know, back in 1865. And thank God for the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment that were giving the, you know, giving black people that right. So in 1866... Okay, and like I said before, I just repeat this quote. The Second Freedmen's Bureau bill ordered the Union Army in the South to protect the freedmen's full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the, uh, for the security of person and estate, including the constitutional right to bear arms. So the Union, the Union, a.k.a. the North, protected everyone's right to bear and keep arms. Down in the South... They were actually against it. And if you look at back in the day, during the South, this is when the Democrat Party became very, very dangerous. Became very, very powerful. They wanted to keep slavery around for a long time. Obviously. They weren't happy with giving up that... that their, you want to talk about privilege? They weren't happy with giving up their own privilege. And it sounds a lot like what's going on right now. They're not happy. They don't want to give up their statues. They don't want to give up their Confederate flag. Even though, even though they're all... Um, Freedoms of speech, and they don't need to be torn down in order to just learn from it, okay? It sounds awfully familiar to what happened back in the day. You're preventing people from expressing themselves. You're preventing people from, you know, owning firearms, etc., etc. That's an important thing, guys. So, you know, you know, back back in the day in the South, okay, they, the Democrat states prevented black people from owning firearms. The Union came in in 1866 after Frederick Douglass... Um, you know, presented his address, and this is one of many addresses that I'm reading from, saying, no, we, we want to keep and bear arms too. And Frederick Douglass was in unison with Abraham Lincoln. And that's important to remember. You know, you want to talk about a, a you know, a white man who's semi-black and then a full black man coming together in unison to fight for their constitutional and amendment rights. That is extremely important. So if you ask me what needs to be done currently... Just like the article said, we need to come together and express our constitutional and amendment rights. 
even 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 you know bad freedom of speech or hate speech as we like to say needs to be supported needs to be hey you have the right to say this even though i don't agree with you that's one of the most important things that you can do now again i'm here okay for anyone that like to come on and share their experiences i'm here for another uh, half an hour to an hour so if you have anything relentless that you like to say about being a patriot or what you love about America, or how, you know, uh, being uh, a patriot's important versus, you know, being a socialist or, or, or a communist. Please come on and share your thoughts. I'm going to keep reading from other articles about similar, uh, similar circumstances where political movements such as Antifa or Black Lives Matter can be related to. Okay? Now, this is another article um, in which happened in South Africa. Okay? And this happened in the early 2000s, and this is from a person who was a liberal, Democrat, whatever, uh, for that time, or socialist, whatever you want to say down there. And this person lived there for seven years, uh, first as a grad student, uh, then as a freelance journalist, and then as a political speechwriter. Okay, this person lived in the heart of Cape Town, uh, Cape Town's Muslim community, and volunteered several evenings a week as a tutor for high school students. And, you know, inside of a poor black township. So, not only was the community Muslim, but it was also part of a black township. So, already this person thinks they're, you know, above and beyond, right? Because they're doing a lot of, doing a lot of, you know, servitude towards the community. And they're, they happen to be a, a political speech writer. And they happen to be, you know, a journalist and a, and a, and a professor. Sounds awfully familiar already, based upon what I'm reading... To what the liberal agenda, to what the liberals are doing inside of these schools for indoctrination purposes. So it's no wonder this person's writing as if he's already higher than art, thou art, right? Um, many South African symbols and institutions had already been renamed in the mid-1990s as an apartheid ended. The old blue and orange flag was replaced with a colorful standard that properly reflected the diversity of quote-unquote, the rainbow nation. So a rainbow apparently was used in the mid-1990s to show diversity. Let's think about that for a second. What rainbow flag, what flag right now is meant in this country to show diversity? But yet, they won't have a black man allowed inside of their group. And yet they advocate for Black Lives Matter. Let's think about that for a second. Crazy, isn't it? The old national anthem. And again, just like in, just like in Communist China article that I uh, read before, with Relentless Patriot John, had stated the same thing, right? They were replacing all these old traditional things that were about goodness and freedom and patriotism. Um... The, the old national anthem that we had was replaced with a mashup that combined elements of the song with, uh, I don't even know who this person is, Nikoshi Sekalel Africa, a gospel hymn that was adopted by the anti-apartheid liberation movement. So you replace the old national anthem with a revolutionary anthem. Now what just happened the other day? Who wanted to replace the national anthem with Imagine All the People? the same thing guys this all reeks of marxism and communism 
all these movements, all these liberal hypocrites in the mainstream media, all these, you know, if you look at all the celebrities that made a video way back, imagine all the people when they're singing from their, you know, their luxurious homes while we the people suffer. We can barely make ends meet. We all lost our jobs. Oh, history does repeat itself. And that's the thing. These liberals, they want it to repeat itself, it seems. All this is, this. it happens throughout history in certain parts, obviously, right? But if you really look at the, the, the disgustingness of it all, you can definitely compare and contrast. Replacing of old traditions, replacing of monuments, replacing of national anthems, replacing of culture with something that's diverse. Only if it's diverse to you, but not diverse to somebody else. Right? So again, uh, continue with the article, right? The country looked forward to a prosperous future as international sanctions ended. And new opportunities opened up for a rising black middle class. The new South Africa inherited a modern infrastructure and a world-class skills base uh, concentrated amongst whites. That's also very interesting. So you had a rising black middle class, but it was controlled by whites. And controlled by... Definitely controlled by uh, Marxists and Democrats and Socialists, for sure, over there. Africa doesn't have a Republican Party or a Patriot Party. Or at least they might have had something close to that before they got Nelson Mandela in there and then other people, right? And uh, Steve, thank you for saying that. Yeah, your your wife left Russia for a good reason. Yeah, I definitely understand. Trust me when I tell you. There's a lot of people, even in my own family, that left they're home, you know, Sicily and Italy for a very good reason. Because even right now, you got the people over there realizing that this virus is bullshit. And now they're protesting against the government. At least 3,000 strong. You know, it shouldn't be 3,000. It should be 300,000 at this point. Because people need to start waking up to communism and socialism and being all for staying home saves lives. And if you don't, you're part of the problem. You know, complex. So that's also a socialistic uh, saying there, by the way. Staying home saves lives. That's like that's like saying, you know, uh, join our red our red party regime. You know, communism. Let's all march. We're yay. All right. Let's all be part of the revolution. It's the same thing. Staying home saves lives. All like guys. All these catchphrases. All this I can't breathe nonsense. All this, you know, um, you know, wear a mask. It all. If if you if we if you can relate all of them together, right? You can easily see it's all part of it. It's all part of this movement, you know. Of uh, we're talking about real oppression, like we were talking about before, or relentless patriot John. That's it, right? Now, the new African Congress, the African National Congress, it says ANC. Oh, AOC ANC. Steered between populist desires for economic redistribution on the one hand and the need for economic growth and fiscal responsibility on the other, I arrived as a left-wing idealist. <laughs> Fresh from Harvard College on a Rotary scholarship, I had been born in Johannesburg, but my family left for the U.S. shortly thereafter. I wonder why there, pal. I grew up in, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and we watched events in South Africa with great interest, a few members of my family were involved in the anti-apartheid struggle. 
I was deeply enthusiastic about all the changes in the country, especially with the new socioeconomic rights in the country's constitution. Unfortunately, much of what I saw was deeply discouraging. President Taibo Mebeki, I don't even know who that is, we've got to look him up later, Thaibo, uh, who was supposed to lead South Africa's economic revival, became obsessed with race instead. Blaming white racism for Africa's HIV-AIDS pandemic and rejecting anti-viral uh, uh, yeah, anti medications. So you have someone who was supposed to help the country turn it around, make promises. Everyone would be singing Kumbaya, but all of a sudden makes it a race thing. Now who can we really think about over the past 10 years who promised to have everyone unify together and sing Kumbaya, but then turn into race? What president before President Trump? I think we all know that answer. Who is going to sing Kumbaya with everyone? And had one chance to fix race relations between everyone. But, again, as usual, turned it around on We the People and made everyone about race. Don't trust white people. Don't give in. You guys are all oppressed. Yada, yada, yada. Several speeches of Obama saying all this stuff. And people want to act like, you know, Trump's a, you know, a xenophobe. B.S. Obama and the Clintons had started this long before. And, I'll, and yes, I'll say Bush was... Just as just as crazy, just as relentless, if you want to say relentless, about, you know, immigration and the policies. We had, okay, I'll put it to you guys like this. We had at least 30 to 40 years to fix the whole immigration process. But did we? No. Trump comes in and wants to, you know, fix things. He wants people to, you know, come in here legally. He wants people to form a line, per se, and fill out the necessary paperwork and be patient. You know, if you look at the the total amount of countries where they allow their you know allow people to travel to, the only thing that they have are refugees. Think about that for a second. Yes, we have refugees here, but we also have one million immigrants that we let in every single year that fill out the paperwork and actually want to be part of this country and that can contribute to society. Where these other countries do not have that. They don't have people that are lining up to get in. They don't have people trying to illegally come in every every 20 seconds. They don't and and I believe the stat is at least 10,000 people per month are trying to get into this country. Do you know any other country on this planet where that many people try to come in because they want to be here? I mean seriously. That's what I want you guys to understand. Like you can you can call this country whatever you want. But this is a melting pot. This is America, guys. Right? I mean, common sense. So we can't say America's racist if we're allowing all these immigrants in from all over the world, from all different ethnicities and backgrounds and professions. Right? If we're racist. If we, I, I could tell you guys this much. If we truly were a racist nation, then it would be one race all the time, always in your face, but yet BET exists, BLM exists, Affirmative Action exists, you know, you have MTV doing whatever it wants for cultural appropriation, you got VH1, you have all these ridiculous channels, you got Comedy Central, most of the comedians are black on there. I mean, like, seriously, 
if you look at all the sport teams, most of them are black. Football, you know, football, basketball. I mean, you know, you can't say that we're a very racist country at this point. And be, I don't know if you guys heard me talk about stats before, for those of you that are just tuning in. By the year 2045, it is said, literally, that this country will have the most mixed races on this earth in comparison to the rest of the world. Think about that. So people are trying to say that America is more racist now. What is, what is it that you're talking about? What do you mean? Where are your facts? Where are your stats? Where do, what, and, and as a matter of fact, where does your allegiance lie at this point? If you're not happy, if you think America is racist, then go to Venezuela. Then go to China, where they literally have, in China, signs that say black people are not welcome in this restaurant. Where was the last sign that you could see here over the past seven years since the civil rights movement has made tremendous strides that says black people are not welcome. Can anyone tell me? I sure as hell can't. I must be blind. I, know, I mean, I know where I, I wear glasses, but like, come on now. You've got to wake up, guys. Okay, now the, the article ends with this. Okay, and I'm just going to you know, back up a little bit here. Now, the rest of the article says this, right? And again, we're talking about a left-wing professor who is high and mighty on his horse that um, has done some charity work in Africa at the time, okay? And now he's talking about the new president that had got put in by the socialist regime at that time in the early 2000s, okay? Again, the president's name is Thaibo Mbeki. Um, he was supposed to lead South Africa's economic revival, but then suddenly he became obsessed with race, saying it was all the white people's fault that we are oppressed in our own country. When the white people didn't own the majority of the businesses and they weren't in the majority of the government, it's all black. So suddenly you, you turn into a um, totalitarian you know, attitude and then you want to destroy everyone. It sounds awfully familiar to what happened when the white people's farms were burned in South Africa, right? Because Africa has not always been a good country. It's never been socialistic, right? Mm-hmm. So, now, now this person is talking about what happened after the president took office, right? Aside with, uh, with the race-baiting games, this and that, uh, he's saying this. The education system offered early retirement to white teachers to create a more racially representative workforce. Hmm. Regardless of the effect on black students who suffered worse education as a result. At the time I arrived in South Africa, its electricity rates were among the cheapest in the world. And the state-run power company, ESCOM, was preparing for privatization and foreign investment. Instead, under pressure from the left, the ANC reversed course and turned the company into a vehicle for political patronage. So, the companies that are behind leftism in South Africa, or in Africa at this time, got behind political patronage. Now, again, going back, you know, fast forwarding to the future. What companies have given homage to political patronage, to political correctness? Name all the ones so far in your mind that we have catering to political correctness. Or political patronage. Who's behind Black Lives Matter? We have Pepsi. 
We have Taco Bell, KFC. We have Quaker Oats. Pepsi owns a lot of companies, by the way. Okay? Aside from George Soros, you're looking at all these other companies. You have ESPN. Okay? And you have countless other companies that are involved with um, charity organizations. Look at the NAACP. Obviously, right? But again, you look at average corporations. If you, Even if you look at Verizon Wireless, most of their employees are black or minority, right? If you look at... Um, um, some of those advocate, advocate, uh, God, advocate groups that are part of the Act Blue, the Act Blue agenda, right? The Act Blue agenda is a very dangerous agenda, right? So if you look at those companies, they're all involved with political patronage. They're all involved with the socialistic affairs, right? So this article, you can definitely relate to what's going on. Again, this happened in the early 2000s. For those of you that are tuning in, hey Anthony. How you doing, sir? I'm reading about... If people want to learn about history, so that way it's not doomed to repeat itself, you're in the right place. Because every single night I talk about a socialistic, communistic, you know, communistic or totalitarian you know, event that happened in the past and how you can apply it to what's going on right this second. So right now, again, we're in Africa in the early 2000s, and a lot of things have happened since this president took office. The president made things about race. The president made, um, he happily took white teachers out of the equation, even though black people were being better educated underneath white teachers. No offense. It's just what the article say, you know, states here. They had more economic prosperity. You know, it just goes to show you guys that societies that erase their future or erase their history are doomed to repeat their future, right? So, okay, so now the article ends with this. Today, South Africa suffers from regular electricity shortages and its once promising econo you know, economy barely hobbles along. So because all these, all these companies, you know, we're talking about the electric company that was there, that, that was very good for Africa at the time, suddenly turned its back on the African people and started to join these political causes. Now Africa suffers and they have electricity shortages to this day. Look, look at football. Right? Eventually you're going to look at basketball. You're going to look at baseball. All these organizations that allow this type of behavior, whether it be taking a knee or raising a fist in the air when the national anthem is being played or when you know certain power moves are made during press conferences, they're catering to the narrative. They're catering to political correctness. And because of it, Look how much Nike has tanked. There was an article that came out the other day. Nike tanked 700-something million dollars. They lost this quarter. I wonder why, aside from the COVID-19 crisis. You keep putting Kaepernick's face on everything, you dum-dums. You, of course people are not going to want to buy your product anymore. Let alone, you've already been called out. By the way, if you want to talk about slavery, your child slave labor camps in Vietnam, in China, and yes, in Africa. Yes, I will say it. You guys, all three. I see that you denounced the one in Vietnam, but we're not really sure if you're telling the truth. Are we, Nike? Are we? But yet you want to sit here and put Kaepernick's face on there so you're thinking you can bank and make money. You're the real problem with this country. 
your, your corporation and Pepsi and all the other morons that decide to cater to political correctness. And yes, you, Land Lakes, you guys are a bunch of pussies. You guys grotesque me. And Aunt Jemima, forget you. Quaker Oats, I don't even know if I want your oatmeal anymore. Because every time I look at oatmeal, I get disgusted. It makes me disgusted inside. I don't even want to eat your shit anymore because you rather cater to political correctness too. So if you want to relate this article, right? You want to relate this article to what's going on right now, it's exactly the same thing. we got to educate people. And that's the whole point of being part of this Relentless Patriot group is to educate people, to tell them about the past. Now it's... You know, if it, it's not learned from, the future is doomed. You're done, right? Here's another article Mo about modern slavery and woke hi hypocrisy. You want to talk about being woke? Are you woke? I'm still, I'm still awake. It's 1.30 in the morning, but I'm here. And again, as part of Relentless Patriot Hour and show, you're welcome to come on and say a couple things. And I don't care what time it is. If you've got something on your mind and in your chest and in your heart, and you want to get it out, let me know and we'll put you right on live. It's not a problem. Because there's a lot that's going on in this country. And there's a lot that we need to get done together to denounce political correctness. We are here for you. Right? And I will not, I will not surrender this flag. I will not surrender my beliefs. I will not surrender my support. And for, the, for those of you that could see, yes, it's a police flag. And it says... Nations find us on the other side. So come and try to take my flag. The same way you try to tear down monuments and statues. See what happens. Right? I had, I had invited so many people from the inner city to come over my house to be welcomed and, you know, embraced with open arms. And then to sit down and talk about the issues that are affecting you and your community. And in your inner city. I had offered on several different times. You know, and especially over the past month. For you to come out and even just call me. And talk about how we can help you. I know several real estate dealers here that will give you a fair and reasonable deal. So you can get out of the city. Because they feel the same way you do. They are disgusted with these democratic governors. They are disgusted with all the policies that have infringed your rights. And prevented you from seeking liberty. Right? Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. From, from, you know, from preventing you from seeing and, and, and achieving all three. The time to leave your city is now. Don't wait. If you're good there, fine. But if you're unhappy, then leave. The same thing with people who don't like this country. You always have an option to move. And you always have an option to move to another state. Me? I don't know about you guys, but... I'm getting pretty tired of New York and New Jersey as a whole. I'm getting tired of the taxes continuously going up. I'm getting tired of being, you know, I have to be politically correct at my job. or I'm tired of being politically correct in general. Like, I'm tired of being told that you can't say this, you can't do this. Like, you got to be nice to this person. Like, guys, this is America. And in America, you're supposed to be allowed to say what you think without crucifixion, without cancellation. You need to stand behind the flag. You need to stand behind the Constitution and Amendment Rights. I talk about this religiously every single time I'm on live. You need to start getting behind that instead, right? Because if you get behind that, you'll never be disappointed and you'll never be wrong.
The rule book, guys, is important. The Constitution is your rule book. Follow it to a T. Right? Okay, now I'm going to read from this other article. And this is from... Um, it's an analyst article, and it's very important that we listen to this. This is back in 2017, because that has a lot to do with the policies that are currently in place because of uh, Black Lives Matter and the global slavery rate, okay? According to the UN's International Labor Organization, there are more than three times as many people in forced servitude today as were captured and sold during the 350-year span of the transatlantic slave trade. So the article just states it right there. There are more people that are being human trafficked and used for sexual purposes or used in, in human slavery than in the past 350 years of slavery in the Atlantic. You know, I'm going to share this right now as a matter of fact. And you guys will read it on here on a Relentless Patriot channel and group so you guys can see what I'm talking about here. And people want to act like America was the worst nation about slavery ever. That is utterly disgusting. When around the world right now, there are more, you know, human slave encampments and trafficking than in the past 350 years of the transatlantic slave trade. That should be a very important stat, by the way, for those of you that want to claim that you're oppressed. Okay, because we, we got to get on board, guys, with... Uh, Facts and stats and not feelings. Okay? And that was by ta uh, Time Magazine, of all things. Time Magazine. You know, and they reported this back in March 2019. According to the ILO, the International Labor Organization, modern slavery has seen 25 million people in debt, bondage, and 15 million into forced marriage. So we're talking about kids and teenagers that are being sold around the world to probably your, you know, your liberal Hollywood elitist or your local governor that's a blue state politician or even red state. You know, you never know what these guys are doing, right? And, and uh, you know, corrupt billionaires around the world. Maybe George Soros might have a little action on that. Wouldn't be surprised, right? Now, the article goes on to say this. Modern slavery earns criminal networks an estimated $150 billion a year. That's more money than the U.S. makes on a, on a daily year. I mean, $150 billion, that's a big number. It, it makes more money than, than Bill Gates' company per year, right? And Bill Gates is also part, you know, part of this, so I'm not surprised he's a billionaire. Are you? Just slightly less than drug smuggling and weapons trafficking. You know, my God, guys, like, we got to start waking up here a little bit, you know? Seriously, modern slavery is far and away from, uh, far and away more profitable now than at any other point in human history. Uh, Siddharth, uh, Siddharth Kara, an economist at the Carr Center for Human Rights Policy, told Time Magazine, according to the 2018 Global Slavery Index, G20 countries import some $354 billion worth of products at risk of being produced by modern slavery every year. So we're talking about child slave labor camps like Nike, right? We're talking about exporting, you know, companies here that export our products to other countries 
and have children and teenagers and, and adults, you know, young to old, create all these, you know, widgets for us, including this phone probably, and this iPad, you know, at a very cheap rate. And on top of that, they're, not getting, they're getting paid pennies to survive by their own country that's in charge. That, my friends, is called crony capitalism. Even though we can't control what happens over here when we export out there, that's an exact example of why we need more jobs back in the States. We can't, we can't, you know, cater to this no longer either. I'm glad Trump is on that train in terms of bringing more jobs back to the good old USA. Right? Now, in 2017, shocking footage emerged from actual slave auctions in Libya. And I had no idea about this. I should look it up. CNN, of all, of all news networks, documented an incident in which Arabic-speaking men sold off 12 Nigerians. You mean, you mean Arabic-speaking people sold black people? I thought it was only a white person thing. I thought only white people can sell black people to slavery. You mean Arabic people can do it too? You mean other black people can do it too? It's amazing how a lot of these liberals refuse to even read an article like this. And here I am just, you know, spewing away at it. In 2019, Time Magazine interviewed an African migrant labor, uh, labor person who had been sold into slavery on his way to Europe. <laughs> so he got caught and he got sold to slavery. My goodness. When this person reached Libya's southern, uh, southern border, he met a seemingly friendly taxi driver who offered to drive him to the capital city, Tripoli, for free. Instead, he was captured and sold to a white Libyan, or Arab, as they like to say, for $200, he's saying here. He was forced to work off his debt as a construction site, on a construction site, a pattern that repeated each time he was sold and resold. So that's one form of human trafficking and getting paid pennies on it, you know, pennies on the dollar to do something, whether it be construction or maybe, you know, making a product or whatnot, right? Now, sex trafficking forms a considerable part of modern slavery. The Nigerian Mafia, for instance, according to a 2019 report by the Washington Post, oh, another Democratic news source, is trafficking women by the tens of thousands. And, though, you know, it's funny, there's also a stack going on in the U.S., uh, and I think this came out last year, the year before, where more black women apparently have gone missing. But yet Black Lives Matter has not really talked about that. And talk, you want to talk about black women, you know, black women and teenagers and kids that have gone missing more than any other race? I wonder where those people went to. Can you guys tell me? Maybe they're the same, same camps? Anyone? Let's wake up here. Some experts say that as many as 20,000 Nigerian women, some of them minors, arrived in Sicily. Oh, my home country. Oh, shoot. Well, I guess I should off myself then. Some of them, uh, some of them minors arrived in Sicily between 2016 and 2018, trafficked in cooperation with Nigerians in Italy and back home. My goodness. How scary was that paragraph? And you wonder why my family left there. Mm-hmm. 
According to a July 2017 report by the UN's International Organization for Migration, the IOM, as it said, over the past three years, IOM Italy has seen an almost 600% increase in the number of potential human sex trafficking victims arrived in Italy by sea. So through Sicily, and again, my family left because of this crap, and then some, because of the Marxism and communism happening back in the early 1900s, when it really started to happen in Europe. And now these, they have these other Marxists, these other Democrats, these other liberals, other whatever they are, doing human sex trafficking from Nigeria to Italy, back and forth through Sicily. You know, and a lot of people have said that Sicily at one point was an enslaved state by Nigeria, by Italy, etc., etc. You know, it just goes to show you that it's still going on over there, and that's scary. You know, from South Africa and then some, and then the sex trade, the whole nine. I mean, we're talking about modern slavery here, guys. Okay? Now, I'm going to read on here. Okay, so we're talking about Sicily for those of you that are tuning in and how, you know, Italy in, in, uh, in unison with the um, Nigerians here that are selling thousands of people into human sex trafficking or slavery. Okay, now, the upward trend has continued. Oh, I lost my place. And I moved back to where I was. Okay. The upward trend has continued during the first six months of 2017, with most victims arriving from Nigeria. In its report, the IOM, remember, the Italy Organization for Migration, estimated that 80% were girls, often minors, arriving from Nigeria, whose numbers soared dramatically from 1,454 in 2014 to 11,009 in 2016. Guys, that's like a 10,000% increase. <laughs> they were potential victims of, of trafficking for sexual exploitation, and some of them were actually rescued. The rest are have gone missing. In parts of the African continent, especially in the, in the slavery districts, such as Sahel, I don't even know the name of this uh, place. We're going to have to look up all this information later, too. I mean, it's all very interesting in how these practices... And people want to say that they're oppressed. When meanwhile, human sex trafficking is a pretty big deal. But no one wants to mention that, right? And again, like I said before, there's more black women and girls and teenagers that are missing in this country more than any other race. Where's Black Lives Matter on that notion? Hi, Richie. How are you? How are you doing, sir? I'm glad you're tuning in to the Relentless Patriot Show, guys, and Relentless Patriot Frank, telling you not myths, not feelings, but I'm talking facts here about human sex trafficking, which is the true modern slavery of today and always has been, probably since the early 15 and even 1400s, where tons of countries, including, yes, Arabic countries, are primarily responsible for this. Okay, so now, let's go back to that stat, okay? 11,009 from 1,454, okay? In parts of the African continent, especially in the Sahel, one of the slavery districts, it's still ingrained in their traditional culture. Even though, officially, slavery has been outlawed in countries such as Mali and Mauritiani, so-called descent-based slavery or caste-based slavery systems, in which slavery is passed down from generation to generation, 
so that slaves are born into, into their predicament. So people in Africa, people are born into slavery. But yet we're going to ignore this. We're going, Black Lives Matter is going to ignore that Africa is having a problem. No one's born into slavery here. People may be kidnapped, but you're not born as a slave. That's for sure. In 2013, it was estimated that around 250,000 people were living in slave-like conditions in Mali, where slavery is not illegal. So even in parts of Africa, slavery is still legal. Is Black Lives Matter going to teach you that? Absolutely not. One Malayan slave, or Malian slave, Wachatao, told the Guardian in 2013 that she, came, that she became a slave at the age of seven when her mother, also a slave, died. My father could only watch on helplessly as my mother's master came to claim me and my brothers, she said. She worked as a servant for the family without pay for nearly 20 years. My God. And that was in 2000 and, yeah, 2013 already. And this is going by, you know, someone's story and a daughter. It's terrible. And it says here that she was forced into a marriage with another slave in whom she didn't even know. So that she could supply her master with more slaves. So they forced slaves to breed together, obviously, to form more slaves. Now, what happened down south was atrocious. And there were slave labor and farm camps for this. I'm not denying that. Because the more slaves you had, the more, the more you're... You know, your company would profit and, you know, it's terrible. But this is, a, this is saying here that's going on in Africa. Where's Black Lives Matter? Okay. In Mauritania, it is estimated that up to 20% of the population is enslaved, even though slavery was officially outlawed in 1981. The slaves are mostly from the Haratini minority, who are black Africans as opposed to the nearly half of the population who are Arabs or Berbers, according to a report from The Guardian from 2018. And meanwhile, the, the Guardian is a left-wing, you know, extremist uh, political page, and they're saying all this stuff too, which I find amazing. Like, we're actually able to make some common ground through an article in which a leftist wrote, but even then, we need to make sure that all these things add up at the end of the day. And that modern slavery is human sex trafficking. It has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives Matter, if they really care, they should care about black-on-black -black crime. They should care about the human sex trafficking and how lots of black women have gone missing more than any other, you know, race of women. More than white, more than brown, you know, more than Hispanic, more than Asian, etc., etc., and even if you want to talk about human sex trafficking, I'm just going to get some water real quick. Um, if you want to talk about human sex trafficking, it still goes on in China all the time. They illegally export women and children and old people. If you want to talk about stats, if you want to talk about real enslavement, that's a very dangerous deal. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. The report also practiced also described a few of the horrific fates of the Haratini slaves. Okay? 
Now, I can't pronounce this person's name, but I'm going to try. It has Barak at the end. <laughs> at least we know that part, right? So, Achito Min M. Barak was a slave by descent in the Rosso area. Like her sister, she was taken away from her mother and then given to a member of the master's family to be a servant. She got married in the home of her masters and had eight children. Holy crap. You're going to force a, a, a teenager or a young adult to have eight children. Two of whom were taken away from her to be slaves in other families. So human sex trafficking, slavery, and this is back in the 2000s. I mean, come on now, guys. In 2010, Achitu's older sister was able to free her after she herself fled her masters when they poured hot embers over her baby, killing it. This is disgusting. And people want to act like they're oppressed over a pair of Nike shoes. Or they can't find a job when they're more than willing to, to just move somewhere else. Right? Or, or learn how to get educated or, you know, get educated online. And, 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 and my guy, you know, I don't even know how much more of this I can, I can even speak of. It's just, if you want to talk about true atrocity, people, I mean, human sex trafficking, you know, like I said before has the most grotesque grotesque amount of you know percentage of people that were involved with this versus the 350 years of oppressed slavery in this country and, and you know I shouldn't even say 350 years I'm going by what the article says but if you want to talk about real slavery you know the, when the Irish came over when the Dutch came over yes they brought slaves with them but guess what they weren't black they were amongst their own people. When the Irish came here, there were more Irish slaves than black slaves. You know? But no one's going to talk about that. And I think as, you know, as a matter of fact, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about the Irish slaves. And I'm also going to talk about the contributions the Irish people have made to this great nation. Aside from black people, aside from Hispanic people, let's talk about all the things good that white people have done for this country. Aside from inventing the light bulb, aside from inventing the automobile, aside from inventing certain types of surgeries and electricity, and I can go on to how many things white people have done that has been great for this country. White people, it's, white people don't believe in slavery for the most part, guys. You got a couple evil people and you want to you wanna paint a huge, you know, broad brush across everybody, paint them white and say they're all, they're all, you know, privileged and they're all about indentured servitude, they're all about keeping people down all the time. Guys, I want I want everyone to succeed in this life. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, if you come to America, if you're born here, I'll put it to you this way. You're more at least you're you're born more free than in any other place in the world. And you are allowed to achieve whatever you want to achieve. You know, I my family came from nothing when they came here from Italy and Sicily, right? So when they came here um, they had to fend for themselves. They had nowhere to live, right? They came here with, you know, little to no funds. They established businesses and they worked hard. They bought several acres of land in certain parts of New York and New Jersey. They built their own houses. They spent tons of time, ton, you know, tons of money, tons of effort. And I salute all the Italians and Sicilians who have helped build literally build, alongside with the Germans and the Irish, New York City. We cannot 
thank you all enough for the contributions that you have done to make New York City great. Between your system of cement and masonry work, you actually helped lead the way in paving our streets. You built our bridges. And even most of the old apartment buildings in the 1900s where people had a place to freaking live. But no one wants to give you credit. No one wants to give you your due diligence. They want to say that all of you were slaveholders and masters and that you're all racist. But yet no one wants to talk about the Irish or the Italians, Sicilians. No one wants to talk about the Germans. No one wants to talk about the Polish when they came here. And yes, white people don't like each other. We're not all in unison and holding hands and singing Kumbaya. You wouldn't believe the amount of Italian jokes there are out there, or the Polish jokes, or the Irish jokes. <laughs> Forget it. Especially with the Polish jokes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be an asshole, but you guys can understand. Not everyone is going to like each other, or their customs, or their cultures. But the one thing that we can get behind, ladies and gentlemen, is the American culture. And how we need to really, really try to protect it together. Right? Black, white, Asian, Hispanic. If you're proud of this country, or if you're proud to be part of it, and if you made something out of yourself while you're here, then please also come on the show. Talk about it. Talk about your experiences as to why America should be labeled as great. Should be considered one of the best places to live in the entire world. Should be the place of freedom, not the place of tyranny. We got to be better than this, guys. Right? So now, let's see who's tuning in over here. And I'll, anyone would like to ask me any questions at all, any remarks. I'm seeing, uh, we got Jake up here, right? We got Anthony, are you still on? Everyone give me a thumbs up and let me know if you're here. And, uh... If anyone wants to come on live, I know it's late, but you're welcome to come talk. Um, I'm going to read one more article. And it, it, all, guys, all this stuff's important, again, to learn from history and to appreciate what we have now. Not being ungrateful, right? This we have to remember and always trust and be fair. You know, be, be fair to all. You can't just say, oh, you know, America's bad and this and that and that's it, right? That's, that's not right, you know? Okay, so now, now this article is, um, we're talking about civil rights, and we're talking about, you know, how Black Lives Matter is literally using, okay, they're using low-income black America to promote insurrection, and this is by an ex-civil rights activist, literally a person who was part of all this stuff, and they're coming out and saying stuff about Black Lives Matter, which is great. They're trying to expose them for what they truly are. They're a very fraudulent organization ran by totalitarian and communists and Marxists, right? So this person is an ex-civil rights activist, a black man, okay? And his name is Bob Woodson, okay? Now, Bob Woodson had a lot to say, mainly that he said that the Black Lives Matter organization has blood on its hands and that the corporations financially supporting it are paying for the bricks they're using to damage property and crush livelihoods. Are you surprised? Of course not. Guys, I had recently shared a whole bunch of, uh, you know, whether it be memes or, <laughs> I love memes, you guys can tell that, but a whole bunch of memes showing the pyramid scheme, aside from Black Lives Matter, 
with the Socialist Democrats, etc., etc. They're all in cahoots together. And yes, they all supplied the bricks to do whatever they had to do. Never in this country have I seen such an organized movement, but for bad purposes, not good. 100,000 people marched in Washington. Imagine if you had 100,000 patriots marching for freedom. But yet, I haven't seen that any. But anyway, let's continue with the article. The pretext of all this, of course, was pursuing social justice and challenging institutional racism, quote-unquote. And they used George Floyd as a symbol of that. They're always trolling for other George Floyds, different kinds of George Floyds. The head of Black Lives Matter went to Houston when a seven-year-old girl was killed and raised $100,000 in reward money while anticipating that the person who killed her was white, only to discover that the murderer was black. And so then it was not a story after that. So Black Lives Matter, you can see here, literally looks for white people that are doing bad things to black people, always. But yet they will never announce or denounce the black-on-black -black crime stats. And you can see here from the article that it wasn't a story after the fact. And it makes you wonder what they did with that hundreds of thousands of dollars of money. And it, didn't, it never went to the victim or the victim's family. Think, people. My goodness, I shouldn't have to read from a common sense article to give you common sense. Now, this is a, and, and in terms of that seven-year-old girl that was killed by another black person, this is back in two, uh, 2018 in December. The name of the girl, if you want to look her up, is called Jasmine Barnes. And she was in a drive-by shooting, apparently. The following week, Authorities arrested and charged 20-year-old Eric Black Jr. with her murder. The local, according to NPR, which is a local chapter of the Black Lives Matter movement, wrote on social media at the time that the attack seems racially motivated and it will not stand. But yet you don't know who the killer is, right? <laughs> Make sure that we hold law enforcement accountable in bringing justice for Jasmine Barnes. Until they found out it was a black man. Where's the justice now? Right? This is not about social justice, uh, Woodson emphasized. And again, low-income black America are being used by the group to promote insurrection to the country and create anarchy. Woodson also had noted the indiscriminate targeting of statues and hysteric, uh, uh, historical monuments for destruction and vandalism by anti-racism protesters, including a Boston monument for the all-black 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry Regiment. Jesus, you guys even want to tear those down too, huh? Whose Civil War exploits were immortalized in the Oscar-winning film in 1989, Glory. <laughs> So these people are really out to destroy civil society, Woodson says. And again, we're talking about a black, an ex-black civil rights advocate, okay? Like, 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 guys, let's get with the program here. If a police precinct can be taken over by a mob, then why not your home? My message to guilty white people, stop helping us, Woodson added. Just stop helping us. There is blood on the hands of Black Lives Matter and these corporations that are paying for the bricks, that are paying for these protests and riots. 
And, you know, you know, during this past Father's Day weekend, there was a hemorrhage. And I don't know if you guys saw the stats. There was a hemorrhage of black-on-black -black crime and death in Chicago, New York, and other cities. Where was BLM protesting against that? Where were all the volunteers to help out? Where, like, if you look at, uh, you know, Curtis Sliwa's group, the Guardian Angels, they're at least going out there and seeing what they can do. They were at, actually out there during New York City riots and protests, and they were protecting Macy's and local neighborhoods. Where is the Black Lives Matter group protecting these neighborhoods, making sure neighborhoods are safe? Like the Black Panthers did, even though they they were crazy. Regardless, they want the, they wanted the Black community to do well, and they held the Black community, as a matter of fact, accountable for their actions. Right, but they were always there as protectors and guides for the Black community, even though they were nuts. Again, I'm not saying that they were the best type of people, but they were the best type of people for the Black communities at that time. You know, so we got to remember these things, guys. Give me a wave. Give me a like. Let me know if you're here. Um, again, if you'd like to come on camera and say a couple things, let's talk, right? Let's talk about, you know, society today and how we can bridge certain gaps, right? Um, let's pay attention to the numbers. Pay attention to history, you know? You want to abolish police, but yet, but yet you call them when you need them. <laughs> so on several occasions that happened. You look at Beverly Hills, the same liberal retards that decide to, uh, you know, support BLM and fund them and, and help them get out of prison and jail whenever they're arrested. And then they want to call the cops as soon as BLM marches on their own neighborhoods. Weren't you the same people that decided to... Uh, you know, smear the police? Hashtag no such thing as good cop. Can't you see the heretics and the hypocrit hypocritical nonsense that you guys have added to the fire? What's wrong with you? Right? And, and the problem is this. Democrats, for too long they've allowed themselves to be heard in these inner city communities. And they've allowed... A lot of brainwashing and indoctrinization to happen, especially if you look at, you know, my hometown of, of Rockland. You know, I grew up there for a long time, left. I'm in Jersey now, but I, I have a martial art business in Rockland, guys. I won't be able to open because of these riots and loots and protests. And I won't be able to open because of COVID-19 is synced up with these same people. They all don't want America to do well, guys. We need to wake up. It's important, you know, and, and the problem is this, the Democrat communities, um, they don't want to have the Republicans be seen as a, a community or a party that reaches out to people that need help, or they don't want, they don't want word to spread that the Republicans were the real party of anti-racism. They don't want any type of facts about them. So that's why they want to tear down some of these statues. They want to get rid of the Lincoln Emancipation Statue. They want to get rid of, you know, Christopher. They want to get rid of all the things that made this country great to begin with. And that's important. It's important to remember what Marxism is, what communism does, 
and what socialism is a byproduct and how it how they all wrap into one giant you know fireball of extremism right and falsely labeling white people and they don't do anything for any country as you can see i've read several history articles already how they've just used people for financial gain or used them for power and they so they can remain in power if you look at China, great examples that I talked about there. You look in Africa, great examples there, whether it be through human sex trafficking or socialism. And the same thing's going on here. Behind closed doors, like I was saying to Relentless Patriot John, who was on here before, that this country's in trouble. This country's in trouble behind, behind the curtain. It's not just what we see on the news. It's not just these BLM or Antifa or socialists. It's these liberal professors it's all these schools, these socialistic schools, these Marxist schools that are allowed to operate in this country. And yes, it's freedom of speech to be a Marxist or to be a socialist. But let's be honest, guys. Just because it's freedom of speech doesn't mean we need to agree with it. And it doesn't mean that we should stand for it. We're allowed to remove it. Much, or we're allowed to remove these groups, much like we're allowed to remove crappy governors. So there should be votes on this stuff. People should be involved in their local communities and they should stand up against the crap. We should stand against this as patriots. That's why on this show, it's important that we be relentless. Hence the name Relentless Patriots. So again, I'm here for a little while more. If anyone would like to come on and talk, please, I'd be happy to have you on camera. I know it's late, but if you've got some things to say and you want to be relentless about it, and you want to share your stories, share your experience, whether it be good, bad, or otherwise, I'm here willing to listen to you. I want to develop an action plan with you to help fight this real crisis that's going on, the real pandemic, the real issue in society, which is political correctness, which is socialism, which is communism, which are things that are trying to destroy this nation as we speak. The plan has been initiated especially on their end so therefore we must have a plan of our own to initiate and yes i hold a flag every day and i don't care how long i have to do it for i believe in this flag i believe in the police i believe in america still and you know if you guys read the statement clause describing what this group is about it's a non-racist group. Literally, non-racist. We have black patriots. We have Hispanic patriots and Asian patriots. We have patriots from all over wanting to join this group and get their message heard. That's the important part about, you know, and that's the difference as well between this page or this channel and any other channel where they barely have anybody else come out and speak whether it be privately or publicly, it's always about that speaker, right? But on here, we have a platform. If you need to be heard, if you need advice, if you need true people that would want to reach out and help you, don't seek to hesitate to contact me, right? You, you got to be willing to do what patriots do. And, and, um, that's what we have to remember. So if you guys want to come out and say a little something, 
I'm here. I'm waiting for you. You know, and uh, I'll also read another article, if you guys are willing to listen, about the cruelty of the left. Okay? And this is from a um, another author. Very important very important author, actually. It's 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 someone that um, who wrote about how BLM was started, and when three it was it was about uh, and this began in 2013, when three activist friends created the Black Lives Matter movement and hashtag to protest the allegations of the shooting of an unarmed black teenager Trayvon Martin by a white Hispanic block watchman George Zimmerman. And um, here are the three names, and I want you to pay close attention to these names. Alicia Garza, Patrice Coolers, and Opal Tometi. They were all connected with and financed by front groups tied to something called... Are you ready for the name? Are you sure? <laughs> Freedom Road Socialist Organization. One of the four largest radical left organizations in the United States formed out of something called the New Communist Movement that dissolved in the 1980s. If you want history, guys, I got it for you. And do some research of your own as you're, uh, you know, as well, because remember, you're welcome to come on live yourselves and do some reporting. On June 12, 2020, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization webpage states, The time is now to join a revolutionary organization. And this is this year, this month. Join Freedom Road Socialist Organization. If you have been out in the streets this past few weeks, the odds are good that you've been thinking about the difference between the kind of change this system has to offer and the kind of change this country needs. Capitalism is a failed system that thrives on, that thrives on exploitation, inequality, and oppression. The reactionary and racist Trump administration has made the pandemic worse. The unfolding economic crisis we are experiencing is the worst since the 1930s. Give me a break. And if you want to talk about the crisis that we're experiencing, all you got to do is look at your party you nitwits, and look how they're connected to the COVID-19 pandemic. There is your economic crisis at hand. Monopoly capitalism is a dying system. Fake news, by the way, and we need to help finish it off. And that is exactly what Freedom Road Socialist Organization is working for. Guys, is that not reek of corruption itself? Like, you got all these people raising their fists in the air, and no one's doing the research. I'm also going to be sharing this article, so you guys can take a look at it in the you know in the Relentless Patriots group. In short, the protests over the alleged police killing of a black man in Minnesota are now being used to call for a revolution against capitalism, as you guys can clearly see. FRSO is an umbrella for dozens of amorphous groups including Black Lives Matter or BLM. What is interesting about the self-described Marxist-Leninist root, uh, roots of the Freedom Road socialist organization is not so much their left politics as much as their very establishment funding by a group 
of well-endowed tax-exempt foundations. Yeah, I wonder what those tax-exempt foundations are. Mm-hmm. So, also, they don't have to pay taxes to this country. Sounds very socialistic. <laughs> Duh. It's in the name. Right? So, Alicia Garza, BLM, is also a board member or executive of five different Freedom Road Front groups. Remember, the Freedom uh, Front Road groups or Road Front groups are all socialistic, okay? Including 2011 board chair of Right to the City Alliance, Board of School of Unity and Liberation, called Soul, of People Organized to Win Employment Rights, Power, Forward Together and Special Projects Director of National Domestic Workers Alliance. So these people are deeply rooted in the indoctrination and education of our youth. They're deeply, you know, rooted in the Workers Alliance, probably unions, etc., that are preaching power and revolution and you guys are, you guys are oppressed constantly. And um, speaking of, I don't, I don't want to bring out my friend real quick, but my friend had even said that recently... Suddenly, magically, his company decided to get involved with BLM empathy classes or training. But yet, yet in every single company that we have, people, there are already posted in your break room. I'm, I'm sure every single company is forced to have this. A whole list of workers' rights. And you have at least three big giant billboards worth or posters worth of workers' rights and safety regulation. It's already there, and it's all anti-discriminatory for all races. So why does all of a sudden all these companies that are barely making it as is throughout this pandemic have to all of a sudden be Black Lives Matter sympathetic? Can you guys answer that for me? So that's also important to know, right? The Right to the City Alliance, remember we're talking about all the groups that she's involved with, the Right to the City Alliance got $6.5 million between 2011 and 2014. You want to talk about Black Lives Matter being a million-dollar, billion-dollar business? There you go. From a number of very established tax-exempt foundations, including the Ford Foundation. Ford. Talk about being un-American. Meanwhile, they got bailouts. If you guys remember back in the early 2000s with George Bush. That piece of garbage, too. Including the Ford Foundation... Uh, one, uh, they received $1.9 million from them from both of George Soros' major tax-exempt open society foundations and the foundation to promote open society. For one, uh, They received from them $1.3 million. Also, the Kellogg Foundation. Oh, that, that, I just bought some Kellogg's. Well, time not to... Time not to uh, maybe I should return some of those cereal boxes, guys. Oh, that's terrible. They received from them 250000 And curiously enough, some of you guys know this already, the Ben & Jerry's Foundation, $30,000. But you can see Ben & Jerry's, and if you look at Wheaties too, uh, Wheaties had this whole power movement thing with Serena Williams on it. I actually still have the box. But like, you know, they were praising Serena Williams, you know, the tennis player, uh, for being, you know, for empowering black women and being part of change in society Make sure you remember, guys, we're using magic buzzwords here, right? 
and for fighting systemic, you know, oppression. Like, you're praising a, a tennis player making millions of dollars who is actually allowed to play tennis? And you're labeling her as an advocate for rights? For women's rights? A woman in a woman's uh, tennis league is somehow oppressed? Women haven't been allowed to play tennis for quite some time now, Miss Serena Williams. So what the freak are you talking about? I don't need to celebrate you. What I do need to celebrate about you is you worked hard, you kicked butt in tennis, but unfortunately, no, you can't beat men. You, you couldn't beat the, the lowest tennis player, I believe, in the men's uh, league. It's unfortunate, but hey, look, play men. Who cares, right? But if you lose, you shouldn't be angry about it, okay? You got to get off your high horse, Miss Serena Williams. And yes, you are black and you are beautiful. And I would date you in a second. I don't care what anyone says. But you got to stop acting like the world owes you something. And give back a little bit more, shall we? Because last time I checked, you were part of all these advocate groups. You received donations from some of these groups, didn't you? Didn't you? I know you did. It says it all over the news 24-7 whenever they talk about you and your donations and your charity and this and that. I know what you've done. Yeah. Now it also talks about the other foundations that Alicia Garza, remember we're talking about one of the three founders of Black Lives Matter for those of you that are tuning in. Guys, give a like, wave and say hi to each other. Talk to each other on here. Express your dismay with this politically correct climate that we're constantly having to combat, right? Garza had also got major foundation money as an executive director of the FRSO Front and Power, where Obama, former green job czar Van Jones, uh, a self-described communist and rowdy black nationalist. And I think that's funny real quick. I'm sorry to divert, but look at the other Black Lives Matter protest groups. If you saw, I shared some pictures. And in the signs that they had, they were all green and you know what it said? Green New Deal. And they were laying flat down on their back. So it, it's not surprising to you guys that Black Lives Matter and the Green New Deal and socialism and communism and Alexandria Cortez and Bernie Sanders are all being funded. And you got Joe Biden behind the, you know, behind the barrel, you know, of his, uh, you know, 22 gauge shotgun that he claims he has, which I still think is complete bullshit. Probably doesn't know how to load a damn thing or get it out of the cabinet correctly. Probably doesn't even remember he has one at this point. But it just goes to show you, like, look at all these groups. Look at all the internal uh, funding that's going behind the scenes, guys. We gotta wake up. And if those of you that can share this, share this, you know, this live chat, share it as a watch party within your own pages or to other groups that you know so we can get this message out together, right? And I appreciate everyone's support at this time and we're going to continue to talk about stuff. Uh, usually we're going to be going live. I know it's Monday, but Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday evenings, we'll be going live for a couple hours, okay? So now, let's continue with the article. Alicia Garza also chaired the Right to the City Alliance, a network of activist groups opposing urban gentrification that front since 2009 received $1.3 million from the Ford Foundation as well as 600000 from the Soros Foundation's 
And again, from Ben and Jerry's, a uh, total of 50,000. And Garza Soul, which claimed to have trained 712 BLM organizers in 2014. Um, when she co-founded co BLM, she got 210000 from the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, that's a shocker. I'm sure you guys know a whole bunch about the Rockefeller Foundations. And again, for those of you that want to come on and talk about it, please, I'm here. Let me know. Right? And that's scary. The Rockefeller Foundation, which also, by the way, I don't know if you guys know, has funded... You know, yes, they were in America at the time, but they also helped fund the Nazis. Does World War II ring a bell? Does Adolf Hitler ring a bell? Do the white socialist nationalists ring a bell? The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds ring a bell? And that's scary. These groups were all formed before Black Lives Matter was. And then all of a sudden, poof, as if it were all a plan... They were established, right? We remember in 2014 with Trayvon Martin. Okay, these are all important facts here, guys. You know, I can't state this enough. Um, yeah, so again, 210000 from the Rockefeller Foundation and another 255000 from Heinz Ketchup. Oh, God. And John Kerry family. So I guess John Kerry... Uh, his family was part of Heinz Ketchup. That's disgusting. So we're going to have to get Heinz Ketchup and have to disband that instead. How about that, guys? Don't disband the police. Disband Heinz Ketchup. With the forward together of FRSO, Garza sat on the board of a multiracial organization that works with community leaders and organizations to transform culture and policy to catalyze social change. It officially got $4 million in 2014 revenues, and from 2012 and 2014, the organization received a total of $2.9 million from Ford Foundation and other major foundations. That That is disgusting. I mean, I mean seriously, I... I continue to read on here. And look, we just talked about human sex trafficking in Nigeria and Libya. So this person here is from Nigeria. Uh, this is about the second founder, Opal Tometi. She was one of the BLM co-founders, right? Nigerian-born, obviously. That's Why are all the bad people come from Nigeria and Ethiopia and they have problems? And, and, you know, like, you look at Ilan Omar, I believe she was from Nigeria or Ethiopia, one of two. Like, it's just, it's bad news, guys. Bad news. They're all radical extremists, right? So now, it says here about her, Tometi headed the FRSO's Black Alliance for Just Immigration, curiously with a staff, quote-unquote, of two that it got money from major foundations including, again, the Kellogg Foundation and the Soros Foundations and Ben and & Jerry's. Tometi got $60,000 in 2014 to direct the group. That is crazy. The Freedom Road Socialist Organization, right? The FRSO that we just talked about with Tometi. Um, it is now openly called, calling for a revolution against capitalism in the wake of the Floyd, of the George Floyd killing Oh, my God. And is also another arm in the something called the Advancement Project. 
which describes itself as a next-generation multiracial civil rights organization. Quote, unquote. Its board includes a former U.S. Department of Education director of community outreach and a former Bill Clinton and Obama uh, affiliate. Uh, he was assistant to the Attorney General for Civil Rights. Unbelievable. The FRSO Advancement Project in 2013 got millions from major U.S. tax-exempt foundations, including Ford. So, wow, guys, the most American company, Ford, out of all the other companies, it looks like has attributed the most money to BLM out of everything. This is where our protests need to go to. Kellogg, $3 million. Ford was 8.5, Hewlett Foundation, HP, Defense Industry Founder, 2.5 million, Rockefeller Foundation, 2.5 million, and Soros Foundations, which is very evil, 8.6 million. Now, if you guys don't know the Soros Foundations, that's that's your Pepsi, okay? That's deeply rooted. I mean, Pepsi controls a lot. They own a lot of other companies too, actually. So guys, like, you know, like I've been saying, this is the real problem. This is the real revolution. And I shared these articles in the page. You know, definitely follow us, like us, share us. And um, let's continue exposing the left for who they really are. If you want to talk about, you know, corrupt crony capitalists that somehow think that socialism is the way, but meanwhile they're, they're reaping the benefits off of capitalism themselves, you've got another thing coming. Right? We've got to be aware to these socialistic movements. And people have labeled me, oh, Frank's against socialism. He's not about sharing. He's not about, uh, you know, uh, spreading the wealth. Well, guess what, guys? When it comes to shit like this, never should we ever support it. So you got to be relentless, you know, in terms of your patriotism. Never question it. And if you're going to question it, question it in a way where, what can I do to fix this? How can I help bridge the gaps? How can I help wake people up? Aside from going live online on Facebook, right? What can we do to fix society together? And, you know, my plan is this. So, yeah, march on and, and protest and boycott these organizations. Stop buying their products so you stop funding them. And wake people up. And I, I'm, I'm just so disgusted that these food corporations, of all, of anything else, whether it be Nike, whether it be, you know... Uh, you know, social justice groups, these food groups have funded more money than Ford and, you know, it, it's just disgusting. Like, food groups, really? So, cereal is going to help social justice? Oatmeal is going to help change the world? And, 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 and bring out equality? Quote unquote. You can't. You, we can't sit here and think that this is maturely correct. You know, and and this is what I talk about all the time on the you know on the Relentless Patriot Show about how political correctness is evil. You can see what it's already done, and we and I'm again, guys. I'm speaking from here as a concerned citizen of this country. To wake up others the same way and educate. And if they don't want to listen, then kindly tell them to you know what and keep it moving. And talk to people that will listen. That will help you. You know, and help and help America. 
you know? Let's not be ignorant at this time. Let's be open. Let's challenge the narrative. Let's tell MSM that we are not going to fall for their tactics. We are on to you. We know what's at stake, which is freedom. You've already censored conservatives and, you know, like-minded patriots. We know that you've done what you've done on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We know that I'm only able to reach a certain amount of people when I go live. Because you are spying on me. You want to infiltrate and you want to destroy me. But I'm not going to let that happen. Because the more and more that you guys seek to do these things and you expose it and you make it very open and easy to see, the more you're going to be investigated. The more the country is going to be awake to your tactics. The more we're going to fight back. Every time you decide to censor one of us, you make our numbers bigger. You are feeding the beast. And we are okay with that. As patriots, as Americans, we have every right to challenge your narrative. To go against the grain. And I will sit here. I will sit here and continue to preach the truth for as long as I can. Because that's what Americans need to start doing. Speak the truth always. And you guys are going to find out the more you want to speak the truth, the more dangerous things get. But as a good friend of mine once said, I'd rather have dangerous patriotism than peaceful slavery.